Alexis Cubit is with us today. She's going to tell us everything we need to know about the Louisville Cardinals ahead of week one. It's on Lockdown Syracuse. It's right now. Locked on Syracuse, your daily podcast on the Syracuse Orange, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. This is your Friday episode of Lockdown Syracuse. Thanks for making Lockdown Syracuse your first listen every day. We are free and we are available wherever you get podcasts. And today's episode is brought to you by Bet Online. Bet Online has you covered this season with more props, odds, and lines than ever before. Bet Online, where the game starts. I'm Matt Bonaparte. That's Owen Valentine. And with us today, a very special guest, Alexis Cubit of the Louisville Courier Journal. Alexis, thanks for coming. Yeah, first of all, and thanks for pronouncing my last name correctly. I think you're one of very few people who get it right on the first try, so I appreciate that. We did our research. I I was making (laughs) sure that I got it right, so don't worry about that. Um, We were talking a little bit before the podcast. You've just transferred from Clemson to Louisville within the ACC, so how's the transition been? Yeah, well, you know, the transfer portal for journalists is a lot less extensive, and nobody (laughs) seems to care as much. Um, no, it's been good. Um, I remember coming here last year when Clemson played here, obviously, um, for that road game, and I loved it. It was such a fun experience. Louisville is kind of awesome, um, and so it just worked out, you know, fate, God, whatever you want to call it, that I ended up here, I guess it was that, like, eight months later. Um, so it helps to have a little bit of familiarity with the team, um, just kind of coming from the ACC so I'll be covering football, women's basketball, and baseball. So, you know, know a little bit about the women's basketball program, too. Um, a lot of tradition, obviously, for baseball. So, yeah, I'm super excited to be here, super excited to get the season going and uh, just another season in the ACC. So when I look at, at this Louisville team, I, I see a team that's coming off a season last year that I feel like they might have left something on the table uh, and a couple of wins that they definitely or chances they might have wanted back. What has sort of been the overall vibe just through preseason camp? And I know you you mentioned before we hopped on that the you know the media opportunities have been relatively limited so far this season. But what has sort of been that vibe going in? Is it like a revenge year, or what is uh, you know just the overall sort of feeling going through camp so far? Yeah. So one of the things this summer is they all had like shirts that said "finish" on the back, or you know just different things up around the. Um, the facility that said like finish or, you know, just different things to motivate, motivate them because yeah, I mean, they had a lot of close games. You look at, you know, when Clemson came to town and they had that goal line stand, you look at, you know, Wake winning on that field goal, Virginia, another game that really slipped away from them. So you're talking about three games that could be the difference in a six and seven year, as opposed to, what would that be? By nine. Whatever. And yeah. Nine and three, I'm not, four? I'm all right or not Matt. Not a mathematician. <laughs> but yes, I mean, you're, you're talking about the difference between a winning season and going into a bowl game with some confidence as opposed to, you know, going into a bowl game with the six and six, six and six record. You lose that. Now you have your second straight losing season. Um, so, yeah, I think that was a big thing, but not to make excuses, but they did have injuries at some some key places. 
Um, and then just dealing with COVID, everybody was dealing with COVID. So, you know, there was that, but yeah, I think this year they're coming out a lot more determined. They um, use the transfer portal a lot, particularly in the secondary. Um, so it'll be interesting to see how that works. They lost some guys to the transfer portal um, at receiver, picked up two more um, pretty good grabs. So um, yeah. And then the guys that were injured are healthy and back now. So I think they're very much just ready to get the season going to see how everything's going to come together. They have, you know, two new coordinators, one co-defensive coordinator and Wes McGriff, who um, has SEC and NFL experience. Lance Taylor, the new offensive coordinator who is coming from Notre Dame, um, was under that Brian Kelly tree. So, yeah, I mean, I think there's a lot of excitement, but still a lot of kind of mystery and questions um, with this team, just because I think they're just ready to see how everything will come together um, with all of the changes that were made during the offseason. There was a picture I saw on Twitter recently um, of what I believe was Malik Cunningham's locker or something <laughs> that had the printed out tweet from Griffin Gonzalez, I think, from Michael's quote from the ACC. There's a lot of twists and turns here. Michael Jones, the linebacker for Syracuse, said at the ACC kickoff, I was there. He said, someone asked, how big of a challenge is Louisville week one? He said, I don't really see it as a challenge, uh, which is the part that got clipped. And then he also went on to say that it's more of an opportunity, which nobody cares about, apparently. Um, Malik Cunningham's got this up. This is his dartboard material. What could you say on that? Yeah, so that was actually funny. So Michael, I think, said something about Louisville as a team and then Malik specifically. Um, and so Malik, I guess, yeah, right after maybe – might have been later that day or the next day, his IG story he posted. It looks like a cubicle. Um, yeah, it didn't I'm really not, look like a locker, it looked kind of weird. Yeah, <laughs> I'm not sure where he posted that. Um, but he just you know has the tweet out, um, and says like 43 days underneath and posts it on his Instagram story. I'm just like, oh, this is gonna be fun. Um, so yeah, no, not sure. We didn't get a chance to talk to Malik this week. But um, not sure if he still has that or not. I just Definitely found it. will be. There it is. Yeah. Yep. Very weird. Yeah. Anyway. <laughs> With a little emoji too, you know. Yeah. Like you know it's real when <laughs> he you means have the emoji. business. Yeah, like <laughs> the emoji just kind of like takes it to the next level. So, <laughs> yeah, no, but it'll be definitely, um, definitely be interesting to see that matchup. And I mean, here's the thing, though. You know, we talk about Michael making the comment, but it's not like he's a slouch player. You know what I mean? Like, no, this no. is not just some, like, third stringer. Like, Michael is good, too. So, I think there's still – this is not going to be one where you just see that quote and it's like, okay, like, what is he talking about? You know, it's like, okay, you know, challenge accepted. So, yeah, no. Stuff like that just adds to the the fun of, you know, all of this. I'm going to be sitting there watching and I'm super excited for it. Uh, and just Malik in general, it's just so fun to watch. Uh, and he has sort of just been the face of this offense as Louisville has consistently torched Syracuse uh, while he has been, you know, taking snaps. What, like, how cool is it to to watch a guy like that? And I mean, Syracuse has had, you know, while I've been watching it and, and looking through a couple of those guys, but just, you know, they go from Lamar Jackson and now you've got a guy that I want to find a comparison that's not Lamar Jackson for Malik Cunningham, but I just yeah. can't do it. Uh, yeah. And just to have that year after year, like how how cool is it? And just, you know, him as a player is, is something pretty special as well. Yeah, you know, so I will say this. My first 
experience watching Malik was last year, like I said, when Clemson came to town. And when you think about Clemson's defense and how dominant it was last year, um, he did a really good job. I mean, some people may not agree with me, but I honestly think if he did not get hurt in that game, they would have won it um, because he was out for a while and tried to play catch up. And when he came back in, I mean, he was hobbling. And But then again, so was uh, DJ Uyunglele for Clemson. Um, a lot of people got beat up in that game. But, I mean, he's he's definitely one of the best dual-threat quarterbacks out there. Um, of course, they want him to pass a little more just because, obviously, you want to avoid injury as much as possible, kind of keep the longevity of your quarterback. So that's been a focus um, this offseason of just kind of developing that pocket presence and being more pass-first-minded as opposed to just kind of taking off. And, I mean, he's got the pieces around him to do that. Their line brings back, I think, four of their five starters. Um, They added some guys as far as wide receivers. They get Braden Smith back. He's healthy now. Amari Huggins-Bruce is going into his second year. Marshawn Ford, even as a tight end, is a pass-catching threat. So he's got people around him that he, you know, feels even more confidence in this year. So, yeah, I think the biggest thing for him was just taking that next step, um, passing a little more, maybe being more of a deep threat as far as just having that bigger arm. Um, and so, yeah, we'll we'll see how that all works out, and Syracuse will be the first test. Let me take a quick break to give you a PSA about driving under the influence. Are you one of those people who thinks it's okay to drive stoned? What's the worst that can happen? You end up driving below the speed limit. It's no big deal, right? Wrong. The truth is your reaction times slow way down when you're high. You not only put yourself in danger, but everyone around you. Talk about a buzzkill. Stop kidding yourself. It's not okay to drive high. If you've been using marijuana in any form, do not get behind the wheel. If you feel different, you drive different. Drive high. Get a DUI. Matt Bonaparte, Owen Valentine with Alexis Cubit. Uh, continuing to talk Syracuse, Syracuse. Wow, look at that. Cubit, Syracuse. It's in my head. <laughs> Syracuse, Louisville, tomorrow, uh, Saturday night, inside the JMA Dome. Very exciting stuff. You just mentioned Marshawn Ford, tight end for Louisville. His fifth season within the program, fourth as a pass catcher and a starter. He was the leading receiver last year, 550 yards. That's it for their leading receiver. He was definitely a guy who they saw as a leader going into last season. He was at the ACC kickoff representing the team, the whole bit. What do you see from him this year? Yeah, you know, Lance Taylor, the new offensive coordinator, said he's going to have to be someone, or he is someone who is one of the vocal leaders of this team. I think as one of the the elder statesmen, you know, especially with an offense that's, it has experience, but not maybe as much in the skill position. Like they have experienced O-linemen, but as far as skill players, you know, he has to be that voice, that guy to kind of get them going. So, yeah, like I said, he just adds another threat as far as, you know, someone that um, Malik trusts and has confidence in. I believe they were roommates once. So mm-hmm. they do have that chemistry um, and just that that vibe and that cohesion that um, really is needed if uh, Louisville wants to get Malik to that next level as far as, you know, being that dynamic passer um, and really getting to the level of like a a Lamar Jackson, which is, I mean, that's hard. (laughs) That's a whole different level, but you know, the comparisons are out there. Um, So, but yeah, no, Marshawn is going to be someone who 
I think will be looked at him and Amari will be the guys that will be looked at early on to kind of get things going just because they have been in the system a little longer. Well, I shouldn't say system because Lance Taylor's here, but because Scott Satterfield, I believe, will still be calling plays or at least collaborating with Lance as far as that goes. Um, but he's he's an older guy. He has that veteran leadership. So, you know, you add the talent, the, the ability to be a pass catcher, the blocking, um, just everything that he brings is going to be um, really crucial to getting this offense going, particularly in the passing game. When I, I I look at you know I look at the depth chart for Louisville and I I, I my eyes go to the running back position because I, I don't think I, I've ever seen a depth chart with as many ors at one position <laughs> as you see yeah. there. It goes Jalen Mitchell or Trayvon Cooley or Jawar Jordan or Tyon Evans. What can you expect at the running back position in Week One or is this as big a question for you? as it is for us when we look and see, you know, the number of ors and question marks that this depth chart shows at running back. Yeah. So they actually did finally announce we have a running back, ladies and gentlemen, it will be Tyon Evans. He will be the starter, which is actually pretty impressive. Um, He just left Tennessee. I think that SEC experience really helps him out. Um, He had a decent year there for them, just injuries and stuff um, really affected him. And then, you know, him being the, I think it was like the number one or number two Juco uh, recruit coming out of, um, oh, where was it? In Kansas. I can't think of the name of it. Is it Hutchinson Community College? I can't remember the name, but it was in Kansas, the junior college he went to. But, I mean, he's a South Carolina kid. Um, you know, everybody expected him to go to South Carolina, but he ended up, you know, going the Juco route and then ended up going to Tennessee. And now he's at um, at Louisville. Uh, so yeah, he'll be, he'll be the starter. Um, they're very deep though. I will say that they're very, very deep at running back, which I think is another targeted effort to kind of preserve Malik just because last year he was the leading rusher. Um, Jalen Mitchell was second. He was the starting running back. So he did lose that job, but a lot of them will be featured on special teams as well. I believe Jawar is the kick returner. Um, so yeah, it'll definitely be interesting to see how they kind of divvy out a lot of those um, a lot of those reps. And I'm also interested to see if they redshirt Maurice Turner. He's a freshman running back that's coming in. So I'm not really sure. I don't want to say why they would need him this year, but just because they have a lot of older guys. Got four you think guys, wanna, yeah. Yeah, you know what I mean? Like you'd think you'd want to kind of preserve him and just kind of hold him back a little bit um, and let some of those older guys go just because – you know, they're obviously, they're older guys, so they're going to leave a lot quicker than he will, presumably. Um, and when the time comes, you know, it'll be it'll be his his deal. And I can't remember, I think it was Travion was talking up Maurice pretty good and talking about just, you know, how athletic he is and, you know, what a big kid he is. So, yeah, that'll be another thing to watch is what they do with Maurice. But, yeah, this running back room is loaded, and I'm really, really, I'm just excited to see this team. Like, I really want to see what they look like and what the finished product is going to be. And running back is going to be one of those positions where you kind of key in and see, you know, just how much everybody gets to play. Well, it was Hutchinson, by the way. So you're right about that. Um, I just thought I should let you know. Um, But we are talking about the rushing attack for Louisville. Jawar Jordan, a 
memorable name for us that rings a bell. Syracuse revenge game for him. Um, but, you know, a running back and a rushing quarterback is only really as good as its offensive line, right? And Louisville has four returning offensive linemen plus a center transfer from Virginia Tech. How big is it that they're going to have all those guys back? Yeah, no, it's huge. I mean, you talk about the battle in the trenches and you've got guys who are battle tested. Then you have, you know, Caleb Chandler, who is winning like all of the awards on all of the watch team lists for an O-lineman, you know, preseason All-American um, for AP. So they're definitely excited about this. They do have a new coach in Nick Cardwell, who um, inherited pretty good situation with just the amount of experience. Um, they That was, I believe, other than, of course, quarterback, the one position or position group, rather, that really there were no questions about just because they did have so much continuity. These are, you know, older guys who have a lot of experience, who know what it's like to play in front of Malik, who know, you know, what to expect or what is expected of them. Um, So even like with Brian Hudson, who's going to, you know, take center, um, they, they're just older. You know what I mean? They, they know those, the game is slow to them now because they have that experience and, you know, going against some of these D lines, obviously in the ACC is going to be a huge challenge, but they know that challenge. So it's not going to be shell shock when they go against, you know, uh, a pit D line or a Clemson D line or, you know, whoever that D line is going to be. Um, so yeah, that's another piece that is really, really crucial for getting this offense going. And I think just because they do have so much experience, it gives them an edge to do some of the things that they want to do, you know, on offense, give some of those new guys like Tyon or, uh, you know, those wide receivers a little more comfort in knowing that, you know, we have this group that's backing us up or, you know, even Malik to know that those guys have been with him for a while. So they know, you know, okay, well, maybe Malik might run, maybe he might not. We'll find out soon. Um, So yeah, that would probably be, I would say probably one of the strengths of this offense is that O-line. Switching over to to the defense now, I know that I've talked him up this week uh, as we've prepared for this game. Uh, Sir Abdullah, I just all I can think of is Syracuse snaps the ball over Garrett Schrader's head and run back twenty five yards, and before they can even turn around, Sir Abdullah is laying out Garrett Schrader. I'm sure that's fresh in the mind of Syracuse, but I, I think personally, I've said enough about Sir. There are so many different transfers on this defensive side of the ball and and newcomers and new faces who are those those guys that we should really look out for and where what are the rumblings in preseason camp of you know who could be that that stud that comes in and maybe is someone that we're not too familiar with prior to the season yeah so I think when you transfers you kind of have to look at the secondary first because they had the bulk of the transfers that came in were from the secondary um, some people that have been talked up, you think about like a Quincy Riley, who's been mentioned a couple of times by coaches. You think about like a, a Jarvis Brownlee, who transferred in from Florida State. So he has ACC experience, um, you know, and even the guys that are returning, Keetrell Clark had the ACL injury last year and he's back. Um, then you move over to like the linebackers and you get Momo Sonogo from Ole Miss. Um, and then you also get Monty Montgomery back from injury, who also tore his ACL. Um, and then you look at the D-line. Well, Desmond Tell is a starter at nose tackle, but Jermaine Lolay, you know, comes in from Arizona State. He has some injury deals. Um, didn't even play in 2021 because of an injury. 
um, and then ended up coming here. And I believe Scott Satterfield said um, Tuesday that Jermaine actually suffered an injury during the early part of fall camp. So, I mean, he hasn't been healthy in, I guess, what do you want to say, like two years. So just working him back. And once he does get back healthy, you can expect to see him and Desmond kind of rotate there at nose. Um, but yeah, no, there are so many, so many new pieces, which makes the defense, you know, really intriguing as to how things are actually going to look and how it's going to go. Um, because they do have not just, you know, with the, the players, but even with the coaches, you know, they brought in, like I mentioned, Wes McGriff, who's going to be the co-DC and then coach safeties. Um, and he, you know, mentioned like Josh Minkins and Kendrick Duncan as older guys that have really, he's really enjoyed being around. Um, so it'll be very interesting to see just how, how much they can put things together um, and what some of those pieces will look like. Obviously, you know, Momo is going to be one that people will talk about just because, like I said, he has that SEC experience. And then also um, he was good at the SEC level. Um, he's one of their captains. I mean, that just speaks to his character, the fact that he's been here all of, what, eight, nine months, and they elected him as a captain. Um, but he's definitely been talked up a lot. They're excited to get Monty back. Same with Trey Clark. Um, so I think, I believe you'll see them take a step in the right direction this season because last year, you know, they fell quite a bit um, from defenses that they had even the year before that. So it'll definitely be a test, obviously, when you think about, you know, Sean Tucker and how um, Louisville's D-line and even, like you mentioned, people like Yassir are going to have to defend that. And then Garrett, who's also a dual threat guy that, you know, can take off. So will definitely be interesting um, for that defense to, to get this test right away and then have to go on the road six days later to Orlando and play a UCF team. Um, so you're going to really have to rely on some of those older guys like Monty, like Trey, even like Momo, even though he's new, um, to just keep people focused, keep them together and make sure they're on their P's and Q's and kind of avoid maybe some of those early penalties that are normal, you know, for this early in the season. But for them and the way that they want things to go, having to start with an ACC game right away, like you're going to want to be midseason form right now. So I think that's going to be very crucial. So in 2018, Louisville goes two and ten. Satterfield shows up in 19. They go eight and five, and then following that, he hasn't hit that mark again. What kind of year is this for him? Year four, I don't know necessarily that he's on the hot seat, but seat's getting warm. Yeah, you know that's been brought up quite a bit, obviously, because when you when you come in and you have you know, a, a season like that, especially after what Louisville experienced the year before, like you mentioned. Um, well, first of all, can we talk about that for a second? Because 2018 was the last time that these two teams played in Syracuse. Yeah, we were Malik, saying that before. Yeah. Malik Cunningham has a concussion pretty early on. He talked about that during kickoff. And then two days later, Bobby Petrino is fired and like half of the staff is fired with him, which apparently all of, let's see, three or four of the staff members are related to him. Um, so that was kind of interesting. I was reading about that. Yeah. The other day doing, doing some research. Um, so yeah, so not necessarily the greatest, uh, <laughs> memories to look back on if you're a Louisville fan, when you think about, you know, going to the dome and playing well, in the last four years, if you look a little bit further, you'll remember Lamar Jackson, just hurtling the entire yeah. defense. 
<laughs> so it was truly the best of times and the worst of times. There you go. So it depends on how you want to look at it for a Louisville fan. Maybe this is this is the other one. So let's see, a good, bad. So maybe this is a good, good turn now. Or the um, ugly. Could be. There you go. There you go. <laughs> what Why has uh, what has been sort of the the thoughts and, and concerns from from Louisville's camp sort of opening up with Syracuse and, you know, also opening up with an ACC opponent. Cause I know that has been the talk of the town in central New York of how important it is, you know, this specific week one to open up with an ACC team. Uh, and, and, you know, in your case uh, and for Louisville's case, have it be on the road as well. Yeah. And I think that's huge um, because someone asked Satterfield about that. He's like, I don't make the schedule. I just go by it. And that's fair. But, I mean, obviously no one wants to start with an ACC opponent, you know, right away, especially, how do I say this nicely, especially one that may not be a, one that you write in automatically as a win. Um, <laughs> <laughs> there are some schools. That's hilarious. <laughs> there are some schools. I mean, let's be honest. There are some schools where you're just like, mm, got that. This is not necessarily <laughs> the case for Louisville or Syracuse. So I think when you do start out with, like I said, a non-cupcake and a non-cupcake in your conference, it does change the vibe of things. And it does create a a sense of immediacy and urgency. But again, I think that's where that senior leadership, or not senior, but like veteran leadership is going to come in handy because they need to get in the right mindset right away and not, you know, take a playoff. Because as we saw last year, one play is literally the difference in a game. You only need one point to win, and Virginia did that last year. You only need one thing to go right. Clemson and, and Wake Forest had that happen for them against Louisville last year. So I think – I mean, obviously, that whole rearview mentality is a, a thing, but at the same time, you don't want to be doomed to repeat history when history has not been on your side that way. So I think you will see a different intensity this year with them in that first game than maybe even last year um, when they opened the season against Ole Miss. Last one for you. What does Syracuse need to exploit on Saturday to get a win? Um, Let's see. Well, I mean, we talked about the line. I think it's going to come down to, to those lines. I think if Syracuse can get the better of Louisville's offensive line, I think you kind of disrupt some things maybe create, you know, just a sense of, of panic, maybe a little bit. Um, Malik's going to get his, like, let's just be honest. He's going to he's gonna do what he does. But I think if you maybe exploit some of those newer players, like even though, like I said, Tyon is experienced, you know, maybe kind of exploit the fact that he's only been here. He hasn't been here as long as maybe some of the other guys. Um, you can kind of exploit that. Or maybe, you know, some of those new receivers kind of, you know, try to lock them up some so they have to or Malik feels like he has to run, um, take advantage of something like that. But, yeah, it'll definitely be um, one of those ones that I think is going to be a close game um, and definitely an opportunity for someone to really start out with some good momentum once it's all said and done. Alexis Cubitt of the Louisville Courier-Journal, thanks for being with us today. We appreciate it. Thanks, guys.
and go get more on the ultimate football preview 2022 it's an eight episode extravaganza to get you ready for the nfl season lee sterling of locked on bets is going to be there everybody is going to be there go get on your odyssey app youtube or wherever you get your podcast owen and i back on monday to recap the weekend we'll see you then